I want to welcome you to another Pod for Israel. It's the holidays, and I have with us Dr. Eris Soroff. And we just finished celebrating the Feast of Trumpets, or as they call it here, Rosh Hashanah. So what's coming next in this prophetic calendar, the, the appointed days of God? So we are now, we have entered yesterday the 10 days of awe, which are the days leading up to the Day of Atonement. And I think there's, um, for a lot of believers around the world, there's a little bit of a mystique about Day of Atonement, what it means, what it doesn't mean. Why do our Jewish friends or neighbors or co-workers, you know, basically are not present that day? What's going on? What, what, what was it biblically? How did Jewish people do it now? And as you said, what most importantly, what's the future prophetic fulfillment of this awesome day? Right. So each of these days, we're looking at both to the past and to the future. So in other words, what God did, you know, sometimes we're looking through the Exodus as far as like Passover. There was both the Exodus fulfillment, but also looking towards that was all culminating in what Yeshua did. But then even with Passover, there's clues to the future. In the same way, when we look at Yom Kippur, there's also kind of that past the time of the first coming and the time of the second coming. So what do we see in that? So, you know, in terms of the biblical mandate in the Pentateuch, the Day of Atonement was a national, very, very, very importantly, a national day of repentance and cleansing for the nation of Israel as a nation, as a whole, because the nation of Israel was created by God to direct all other nations or, or all other families of the earth to the true and living God. And so the high priest would take two rams and he would uh, sacrifice one on behalf of the sins of the nation. And then the other one he would release and basically also be sacrificed to release to the desert. The scapegoat. The scapegoat. Right. Um, and both were for the sins of the entire nation after the high priest, you know, himself cleansed himself. He's a re representative or even representation of the nation of Israel. He carries the names of the tribes on his shoulders, on his right. chest, right. and so on. And, um, you know, the, the biblical command is to uh, torment your soul. So it's kind of general. It doesn't say exactly. Yeah, to uh, make low. It's kind of a humble yourself. Exactly. Yeah, you can read it as to humble yourself as, as well. And, um, you know, the way it was interpreted through Jewish history until today is that it's a day of fasting. Right. And that's a central feature. And it's, it's very interesting to see even in our day and age. And I personally, I'm sure you do as well, know a lot of very secular Jewish people that live their life without God completely. Right. And yet, Day of Atonement comes and they, you know, they fast and some of them even go to synagogue mm -hmm. and in some way search their hearts. Um, right. But there is a, also very importantly to say that in current rabbinic Judaism, there's an important misconception that the Day of Atonement in some way is a day where every Jewish person kind of looks at his or her own life before the Lord and, and then, you know, by the end, you know, the Lord is kind of measuring the good deeds versus the bad deeds and, and it cleans the slate completely. And, you know, you're forgiven of all your sins of the past year and you begin a new year with a completely, you know, right. clean plate. But again, that's not at all the biblical, 
you know, the biblical mandate for or a calling for Yom Kippur, yeah. for Day of Atonement. And so that is a misconception. That's an important misconception. But now only, I think, uh, Orthodox Jews do it. But you take a chicken, dead chicken, yeah. and you kind of swing it, it yeah, fling it around your head and huh. around the heads of your family members. Okay. And, yeah. that, and, and you say, well, may this be an atonement for me. Yeah. It kind of commemorates the fact that there is an, an atonement for sin that is required, right. but it's done in a, again, inappropriate day, uh, time or, or manner, completely not biblical. Not prescribed by the Torah. N not at all. So I would say there's two different things. There's the very obvious, you know, flinging of the chicken, right? And that's in the ultra, ultra Orthodox neighborhoods. Uh -huh. What's some key components about this holiday that make it different from others? Did you bring a sacrifice? Were you supposed to bring something to God? Or I think that's super important. So the Day of Atonement is the only, you know, um, day of remembrance that yeah. you do not bring a personal sacrifice. Like the Israelite under the Mosaic Law was not required to bring a sacrifice to the temple. In fact, as mentioned previously, only the high priest would make sacrifices on behalf of the nation. And people would be there, you know, when the temple was, was I mean, there was a lot of people there. But that was the only sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And there's a very, very interesting tradition, actually, in, in, you know, it's in the Mishnah, that the high priest, every day of atonement, the high priest would be, um, I mean, he would put out a red scarlet uh, thread in the temple right. and after the um, you know the day was over the thread the scarlet thread would turn white yeah. and there was a symbol for the Jewish people that the national sins have once again been forgiven again this is this is tradition right. uh, the point is that um, there was no trace of any personal sacrifice on that day whatsoever there's, now that you mentioned that, there's actually an interesting section, even in, in the Talmud, which is very interesting they would cite this, that it was actually after Yeshua was risen from the dead, That's right. all of a sudden that miracle where the scarlet thread would turn white ceased, completely stopped. And, and that, was, that was one of the great warning signs. That say, they actually say 40 years before the temple was destroyed, which right. is exactly... Uh, dated to the resurrection of mm -hmm. Jesus, um, the thread stopped turning white, which was yeah. a very, very, very concerning sign Absolutely. for the priests and, and the nation. And, um, and then, and therefore, they added a lot of other, you know... Uh, <laughs> they try to explain. Again, I, get, I think that's a kind of a central error that rabbinic Judaism has made, mm -hmm. is we will be either so bad that Messiah has to come, or we'll be so good that we force Messiah right. to come. But he doesn't right. come on our timetable, does he? And he's not manipulated to come. Uh, and that's something that I think is very central for all of us to remember. Right. Well, maybe one more word about the present. So right. in present-day Israel, and it's true for Jewish communities, you know, in the U.S. and around the world, the Day of Atonement is the day where basically everything ceases. I mean, there's right. no activity in Israel. There are no cars driving on the street. You know, kids love to ride their bike or skateboards mm -hmm. on the streets or whatever. Um, synagogues are probably more full that day than any other day uh, um, in the year. Um, many people, as, as we said, they fast. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just actually, it's, it's, it's a very pleasant day in some way 
because people are, I mean, even secular people kind of put their defenses down. They're not busy. They're not yeah. going to work. They're not driving. They're just sitting and talking to neighbors, yeah. you know, or going exactly. to the community synagogue in their uh, neighborhood uh, or, or whatever. Unfortunately, there's no, even though the prayer, the traditional prayers of Yom Kippur, of Day of Atonement, are actually very beautiful. And they right. acknowledge the need of atonement for sin. But I think most Jewish people these days read those wonderful prayers in a way that's a bit mechanic and not right. really taking in the, the significance of the words and the prayers. And that's a bit of a shame, but that's kind of uh, where it is right now. However, I think the super interesting thing is we look at the um, order of Day of Atonement in the biblical holiday cycle we can see that as it used to be a day of national atonement for the nation of Israel, prophetically speaking, it also talks about the time that Israel as a nation mm. repents and accepts the Messiah. Right. And, um, you know, right now we see a form, I think, maybe the first fruit of a first fruit of a, of a spiritual awakening in Israel where more Jewish people are asking questions about Yeshua, or some come to know him in, in bigger numbers than in the past. But it's, it's, it's us as individuals. Right. On that day, on the Day of Atonement, we are talking about a national scale revival in yeah. faith in the Messiah. This is what Paul said, mm -hmm. and all Israel shall be saved. So yes. the culmination of that salvation, the day of salvation for all of Israel, mm -hmm. is on this day True, where they're redeemed. And I think we see, we see that day described in a very, um, I would say, very, very vivid way uh, by the prophet Zechariah in chapter 12. And mm. the context is, is actually a very, very difficult time. Very, very difficult time mm. for, I mean, the focus in Zechariah is, is on Israel. Uh, we see parallels to that in, in, in uh, Revelation and other places. But in Zechariah, he's talking about um, like an all-out war of mm. the sworn enemies of God to once and for all finish the job and annihilate the Jewish people. Right. And um, when everything seems lost, and now we get to uh, chapter 12 in Zechariah, then the Messiah himself intervenes and disperse the enemies. And then it says in verse 10, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. Again, very importantly, right. God is speaking in the first person in that chapter. And he says, they will look upon me whom they have pierced. Then as a nation, we have to ask, well, you know, when I talk to Orthodox Jews about this verse, I say, well, who, who have we pierced as a nation? Right. I mean, how, how can God, you know, and it's yud Hey vav Hey Yahweh, right. Right. God himself, talk about the nation of Israel, us piercing him. Piercing when did him. we pierce God, <laughs> yeah. you know? Right. So it's, it's a very awesome picture. And, and then God switches to the second person and says, and they will mourn as one mourns for the firstborn. Mm. And and the and then it it says again a very peculiar word in the Hebrew, mourn on the uh, only begotten. Wow. You know, it, it's it's so it talks about a son, a firstborn son. Hmm. When did we ever pierce the firstborn son of God? Right. That's the question that begs to right. be answered. And then you know the word it says the only begotten son, so it's a very unusual word in Hebrew, because in Hebrew you can say the number one. 
either um, in a singular form, right, the way it says in that verse, or in a plural form. Now, very interestingly, so when I say plural form, you can say um, one nation. So the nation is made up of many people, and it's a different word. If you say a single person, then you would use a different word. Then, okay. okay? So the point is that throughout the Hebrew Bible, God is always, 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 always described as one in the plural. Echad. Echad, exactly. Yeah. And the only place in the Hebrew Bible that I'm aware of where it hmm. talks about God in a singular form, Yahid, is in this verse. And it talks about the only firstborn son of God that we have pierced. Wow, that's really interesting. Super interesting. What a clue. Wow. And then, uh, you know, what, what absolutely kind of floors me, I think, in the, um, you know, the, the, it talks about mourning. I mean, we recognize, we recognize the Messiah for who he is, you know, on that great day of atonement. And then a morning begins, and the following verses are talking about how every family goes to their house, they kind of shut the door, yeah. and, and they mourn. And I think it begs the question, why are we, isn't that supposed to be a happy mm. occasion? Right. I mean, finally, after 2,000 years, we are, we as a nation, we have discovered who the Messiah is. And um, I think the joy comes later, but I think the yeah. initial response of mourning is is made up of several things. I think we... Each one of us, when we, we realize that when we repented of our sins before mm. God, when we realize how our sinful, mm. selfish behavior, you know, saddened God's heart, how we missed, mm. we missed who God is and we've acted against His will, uh, it, it causes us sadness, causes yeah. us mourning in that respect. I think uh, as a nation, when when... Israel is is repenting before the Messiah for who he truly is. We also realize how, you know, our history of 2,000 years, how we've called him names, how we treated him, how we've treated his followers. And, you know, and, and we think about our past generations, you know, our parents, grandparents, and, and you know, forefathers. Mm. And they, they have all perished without knowing him. And so I think that's probably the beginning of the a morning later this morning, we read in Zechariah, it's turning into joy. Right. When we realize that, you know, and that's chapter 13, that on this single sacrifice, the mm. whole iniquity of the whole earth has been, you know, cast away for good. And, um, you know, and then when the joy is, we, we, we're getting into the Feast of Tabernacles, which we can talk later. Yeah, I, I think it's so beautiful. We've been studying Nehemiah as a staff, and mm -hmm. it's been amazing. We're going to bring that to you guys soon. But, yes. but as we've been going through that, there's this quintessential time, and it's in this season that Ezra mm -hmm. opens up the Torah scroll. And just and as, as it starts to become understood to them, as they start to understand the Word of God, the same sort of thing happens. And I just think of the word made flesh and dwelt among us. You know, we talk about Yeshua as the word of God. And all of a sudden the word is revealed. Amen. And it's likewise, it's That's this good. great, deep sorrow yeah. and repentance. Again, like you said, not just for their own personal sin, but for their forefathers that they missed. And that's why they were in exile. That's why all this stuff happened. But then to joy, because it doesn't end on sorrow. And it, it kind of reminds, I mean, we've mentioned that as well, you know, the verse from Amos chapter 8, 
God says, I want to send a hunger in the land, mm. on the earth. Not a hunger for food or drink, but a hunger for the Word of God. And they're going to look for that. And so I think that, um, you know, the ultimate Word of God, the incarnate Word of God is the Messiah Himself. And that's what we pray for. And as you pray for, you know, we can take, tell our, our listeners or if you're watching, um, as you pray for the Jewish people as a nation, as you pray right. for uh, some of you have Jewish relatives or neighbors or co-workers, Day of Atonement is a day to pray that God will open more eyes and more hearts mm. uh, of people that are seeking Him and that this hunger Mm. for the Word of God, for the incarnate Word of God, the Messiah Himself, will be very real on this feast. Wow. It's so important to keep that in mind. And just to think of, you know, as, as Paul said, if, they're, if, if them casting the Messiah away brought life to the nations, mm -hmm. what will their acceptance be but life from the right. dead? And I would say the most joyous part we see, something that a lot of people don't really look at, is on Yom Kippur is another shofar is blown. That's true. This shofar is actually to announce the year of Jubilee. That's right. So there was a cycle of seven sevens, 49 years, and then they would basically Jubilee. All debts were erased. Everything was canceled. Yes. Everyone went back to their inheritance. That's right. And you now here prophetically we see right. that as our Messiah returns, it, everything is picture. brought back again. Amen. Wow. Amazing picture. He so, is our Jubilee. Amen. So he cancels those debts against us and, and brings us back to our inheritance with him. Wow, it's so powerful. Well, Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for these seasons of salvation, these seasons that proclaim your gospel like nothing else. And Lord, how you spoke from Moses and truly from the creation of the world, you planned out your great salvation through all of these events. And Lord, I just ask that, we're asking that you would open the eyes of the Jewish people, that you would open our eyes as well, to that we would be looking towards our high priest, Yeshua, that we would be looking to him during this time with thankfulness and gratitude, and that we would be looking with prayer and intercession, praying for our Jewish brothers and sisters around the world, that they would come to see the Passover lamb, the atonement sacrifice, Yeshua, our Messiah, and that you would just lead us all to repentance with you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. If this touched your heart, will you help pay it forward to reach others who need to hear this message? Partner with our team to bring the gospel to Israel and the nations.